I've never told this story to anyone. It took me a moment or two to realise what I'd just agreed to. The first mistake that I ever made in my life. She said, I'm leaving Broome now, I'm coming to meet you. The memory lasted forever. Wanted young dynamic people to join our dog sledding family. All I know is that this guy was the devil. All the hairs stand up. It was like a shockwave going through my body. You are listening to the very first podcast episode from Spun. We're a live storytelling night in Darwin. My name's Jess Ong and I'm the creative producer of this event. Our opening story comes from Jackson Brown and, you know, it's actually quite special that Jackson's story is the first for our podcast. For a number of reasons, of course, but also because we have just come off a cyclone watch this afternoon while we're recording. So there's lots of rain and wind blowing around the place. This weather is Darwin at its best because it means that we're all shivering at 18 degrees. Anyway, back to the podcast. Jackson is a meteorologist at the Weather Bureau, which is quite fitting after a lifelong fascination with big weather. My life has been a bit like a weather chart, full of highs and lows. Essentially, home life was fucked. It was really, really bad. Um, It wasn't a nice place to grow up. I didn't enjoy it, but... You know, I I found myself um, kicking around on the streets and running into trouble, breaking into the law, breaking into cars, breaking into houses, assaulting people, just being a general fuck up. And that all caught up with me and I was uh, given a juvenile diversion program. So for those that don't know what it is, it's essentially you'll complete the diversion program or you'll go to jail. So I decided to complete the diversion program and I went off to, to boarding school in Queensland. You know, it was good. It meant I stopped taking away from the community and then I was starting to invest in myself so that one day I could start to contribute back toward the community. I turned all my C's and D's and E's into A's and B's. I missed two days of school in two years. I'd put my dreams um, behind me. I didn't really think that becoming a meteorologist was possible. So I focused on something a bit more realistic and I joined the military. Straight out of uh, high school, I went to um, ADFA in Canberra. It's a military university, and um, things were looking up, you know. I had a a stable home. I had a good education, and um, at the end of my first year there, I I get a phone call from mum. She told me that my sister Carmel had um, committed suicide. All that bullshit that I'd left behind in Darwin had caught up with her, and that was, was heartbreaking, you know. I had to had to give up my dream of becoming an Air Force officer to go look after my three remaining siblings, as well as my my single mum who wasn't coping. Found myself back in Darwin, 19 years old, whippersnippering the uh, arterial roads of Darwin. It was a stark contrast to um, having this sense of pride instilled in you by the Defence Force and I'm cutting grass at the side of the road. It was a thoroughly depressing time. I abused alcohol and just fell into a rut. But the ultimate thing was I was putting money on the table and I was helping my mum in her time of need. And after a year, I saw that things really improved and I went and followed my friend to university in Brisbane. I met my lovely wife down there <laughs> in the first week. And uh, 
Yeah, she, things started to look up again. Went back to, to uh, civilian world, had a bit of a silver lining. I, I, I wasn't railroaded on a, on a military career anymore. I had all these uh, possibilities that were, that were extended to me. We travelled around, around Australia, and as a birthday present, Esther had organised a surprise tour of the Sydney Regional Forecasting Centre. <laughs> I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. The supervising meteorologist thought it was the strangest request he'd ever had in 35 years of his uh, service. But yeah, that kind of spurned me on. I, I was, it got the hunger in my belly again, and I, I cold-called the Bureau. I asked for um, work experience, if I had any openings, and um, they sadly didn't. So that was a little bit disappointing. We continued our, our trip around Australia. We found ourselves in Melbourne. This was right after the, uh, the bushfires of 2009, where they had a number of people you know, pass away in the, in the foothills around. And I get another call from my mum. And uh, it's wet season in Darwin. And my little brother, he, he, um, he drowned in, in Rapid Creek. He, he got his leg snagged in a, in a rope. And I really wanted to do what I did just before, you know, just quit. But at the behest of my lovely wife, she, um, she asked me to stay, stay on the track. So, yeah, you know, here we were in Melbourne, fiery red skies. The city was just filled with sadness. I was 3,000 k's away from my family and I was unable to do anything. It was just a, a sense of helplessness. Anyhow... We, uh, we continued on. I rang the Bureau again once we um, had got back into the academic semester and, yeah, I was offered a cadetship, an Indigenous cadetship. So two months later, I found myself in the, uh, in the forecasting centre in Brisbane. I'll tell you what, for those of you that don't know what goes into meteorology, it is immense. There is so much information that comes in from satellites, from automatic weather stations, from ships, from observers, from space-based observations. All of that gets fed into computer models and it churns out a forecast, which then the meteorologists look at and try to sort the, the crap from the good. <laughs> it was absolutely mind-blowing going in there and just realising the, the volume of work that, that was involved. And I turned to my wife and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> But um, stayed on that, and uh, turns out it was a very good time to be a cadet in Queensland. It was La Nina year in 2010, two biggest uh, La Nina years on record in Australia. We had every river system in Queensland go major in terms of flood level, both sides of the divide, uh, the Murray-Darling system, as well as all the coastal rivers. We had the Toowoomba flash flood event, where they got 300 mils of rainfall in an hour, and Toowoomba's on top of the Great Dividing Range. You wouldn't expect there to be a flood, but nevertheless, there were cars floating down the east street of Toowoomba. I guess the ultimate thing that really spurred me on was Cyclone Yasi. Cyclone Yasi was a Category 5 system that barreled in and was predicted to cross the coast anywhere between Cairns and Townsville. Category 5 systems are pretty serious. They're very life-threatening. Very few structures will, will withstand that sort of wind stress, let alone the, uh, the storm surge. And in terms of threat to Northern Australia, there's 350,000 people in that stretch of Northern Australia. It's probably the most populated part of Northern Australia. It was really humbling to see the mechanisms at work kick into action. So all the severe weather meteorologists, the directors were talking to state premiers, were talking to the state emergency service, were talking to the police and getting people 
in the know, getting people evacuated, getting people prepared. And this system did cross, and it crossed, as predicted, you know, forecast to be just as strong. There was no direct deaths associated with it. And that was really, really good. In Queensland's time of need, my organisation came and assisted them, and it was really humbling. But something that further spurned me on, so I continued my, uh, my path in the Bureau. And now I'm a meteorologist up here, and I hopefully can afford you guys the same opportunity if the situation arises. Thank you. Jackson generously shared his story at our event at Darwin Festival, where the theme for the night was wild. Now, just a bit of background about Spun. The idea for Spun came to life on a typical sweaty day a couple of years ago. The territory is full of lively characters, but also lots of stereotypes. So our aim was to shine a light on the unexpected lives and stories of everyday Territorians just doing their thing. So stick with us and we're going to take you to some surprising places. This podcast episode featured sound editing by Rosa Ellen, music by Lajlo Hassani and story production by Johanna Bell with funding support from Darwin International Airport. My name's Jess Ong. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.